0: BLOB TALK RADIO Good evening. I'm Rev. Trish Hall, spiritual leader of Center for Spiritual Living Metro, the sponsor of The Art of Living Spiritually, where we invite you to be you with us. On Sundays, we meet at the Arlington Arts Center at 3550 Wilson Boulevard in Arlington at 10 a.m. Check us out at our website, uh, cslmetro.org. Find out what else we're featuring, like meditation with Himalayan singing bowls, and peace ceremonies, and much more. We encourage you to open to your divinity, celebrate your uniqueness, and discover your pure potentiality, as Deepak Chopra would describe it. We invite you to bring spirituality into every aspect of your life, to be mindfully you and to show that you do understand that spirit is everywhere. So when we come together on the Blog Talk Radio, it's a time of realization that we are all expressions of one divine creator. We feel the impulsion of spirit and the need to say yes to being spiritual activists, not just sitting on the sidelines and watching, but actually being on the field growing individually and supporting others as they do the same. Recently, with everything going on in the political climate and the elections and everything else, have you, ever, have you had the feeling that maybe your internal compass has somehow been compromised? Like maybe it is no longer trustworthy? You're not alone. Many people are expressing confusion, frustration, even anger. And all of that energy can be redirected. In these tumultuous times, we have the perfect opportunity to let people know we have choice. We are filled with possibilities and now is the time to express them. So we invite you to be fully present in you as you as we look at how we can go about resetting our internal compass. First, and foremost, it's important to know that you are not a human being in search of a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being expressing in human form. So that that just right to start with sets up a different way of looking at the world because if you're a spiritual being as the human, then you are spirit and you are bringing that spirit wherever you are. So living life, the art of living spiritually is the art of living who you really are, and being bold and wonderful and wonder filled enough. The world know that, not in their face, but by your actions, by how you are in the world. They'll, uh, you know, like in uh, the great movie about. They'll want some of that, like in when Sally and Harry. So, as spiritual beings, we are one with spirit. And so we are one with one another. We're inseparable from one another. We're in this journey together. In human form, we sometimes forget our oneness. There's so much going on around us, it's really easy to dive into a sense of other. And there is no other on the spiritual level. We are one. Together we live survive, and hopefully thrive. And together we sometimes struggle and suffer and only subsist. Those are the results of choices and circumstance, and we are the co-creators of our circumstance. Intuitively, we get that there is only one, and to move forward, we must consciously join together in life-affirming ways. Tom Crum. Uh, Who was quoted recently in the Science Mind magazine said, "Does this, uh, when looking at choices, does this choice expand or contract me? I can make myself bigger or smaller by what I choose, and that makes all the difference. By bigger, I don't mean bigger. I don't mean what my ego might feel was bigger, but rather." bigger in integrity, in love, in compassion, in understanding. As we grow in integrity, love, compassion, and understanding, our lives become so rich, so full, that uh, the competitiveness of our humanity just slips away. We find that we just don't need that part of it. So our duty as men and women is to proceed as if limits to our ability do not exist. We are here to collaborate, to create, to observe, and to be observed. We're here to be fully expressed spiritual beings expressing as humans. In all the turmoil of last week's election, for many people it was dizzying not only did some of our compasses go haywire, our gyroscopes didn't seem to know up from down. There was a sense uh, among many of the people that I spoke with and uh, some that came to me in a sense of swirl, that everything they thought had, was true, their world, those things like uh, that are held to be self-evident, all of a sudden it felt like they weren't. That those, those rights and privileges uh, to be who we think we are here in the United States, to be citizens of the world, to be the melting pot as our beautiful Statue of Liberty declares. So we, So in all of this, we look to some of those things that we have counted on, one of them being the, uh, the peaceful transition of power. And when we are looking at the peaceful transition of power and looking at who, who is capable of being on the world scene on our behalf, and we look at how can each of these people step up, who's qualified, who needs to train who, who needs to lead who, and most importantly, what is our role in that? And in Saints' mind, we are grounded in the power of prayer, in the power of affirmative prayer. And so uh, the first thing on our list to do is to pray and know that divine guidance is what is prevailing. Even if we don't see it, even if we don't it doesn't feel that way to us. And so the peaceful transition of power, for some it's feeling confusing during this time of transfer or transition as they call it. Interesting term that they use transition for that is the passing away of something that has been in order to make space for what is new and so as we open up what is new some are doing it with fear and some are doing it um, in uh, they're anticipating what what might happen and there's no value in that because what we do is we get ourselves into such a turmoil over what we believe might be going to happen that might be going to happen uh occupy our thoughts so much that we are no longer able to be present in the moment. We're no longer able to enjoy the people in our lives or the activities in our lives because we are so caught up in how it might be. And so we have to back down and back away from it. And to remember that in this time of turmoil in our world around us, Remember that chaos always evolves. Chaos does not devolve. Sometimes it looks like it in the short run. Sometimes it even feels like it in the short run. But chaos is, you know, some people fear chaos and they, oh, my. Uh, Others of us uh, actually rather enjoy it because what it is is it's a breaking away from old ways of being, And everything goes kind of out of kilder, and there's this sense of chaos and swirl and everything going in all directions, and we kind of lose our footing. And when we lose our footing, then we start being a little fearful about, you know, or a lot fearful, about where's the next step? What is the next step? And so now is the perfect time, knowing that as we ride with chaos and it evolves, it is evolving into something new, it always resolves. And when we look back in history, every time we have made a giant step forward, whether it was for women's uh, voting rights or... um, desegregation, or any of these other great things that we've accomplished as a country, every one of them has been preceded by a, a period of chaos, turmoil, even violence. And I am affirming that this, uh, at this time in our history, we don't need the violence. The turmoil is good. Change is so important in so many different ways and so many different uh, circumstances. And so this is the perfect time for us to transmute the energies of turmoil, the energies that are opposing anything into productive energy for positive change. This is not about partisanship. It's about listening to all and making choices, listening to everyone and making choices. And above all, We must choose to remember we are here to bring sanity, to bring peace. We are here to use affirmative prayer. We are here to reset our compasses. And uh, it's so important that we choose what we are for and not what we are against. Because as we choose what we are for, we are a positive energy moving forward that when we choose it and it is selected because it's life-affirming, then then what comes forth is growth, it's spontaneity, it's, it's positivity. And so in preparing for this evening and thinking about Sunday messages, and please do seriously consider coming and being with us any Sunday, every Sunday, we would love to have your company. So I'm... Thinking about how we are to be with all that's going on, Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements, popped in my thought. And that is it is always impeccable. It is important for us to always be impeccable with our word. That is state what we mean, mean what we say, stick by it, be true to it, to be honest to the very best of our ability and to always be compassionate in our honesty, to be honest. And so when we hear things about so-and-so didn't mean what he said or whatever, now, always be impeccable with your own word so that if ever you are quoted, you are pleased that they quote, that somebody quoted you. There's a silly story about um, um, telling the truth and hoping that, uh, you, when you're quoted that your family will be proud of you if somebody quotes it in your um, memorial service. Another thing that's so important is to uh, Don Miguel's, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's second of the four agreements is don't take anything personally. Don't take things that are going on in our world Personally, instead, look at them as what is going on calls of you. Um, it's very easy for many people to slip into a victim mentality if it's been done to them. But instead, allow for the possibility that it's been done through all of us. This all—all all the turmoil that we're going through on one level or another—we invite it, and so now is our opportunity to. Uh, Not take it personally, but instead be personally involved in taking responsibility and stepping up to make things different. One of the most important ones that I learned in that series of four and that I hopefully support others in always remembering is don't make assumptions. It's so easy to see a set of circumstances and take that set of circumstances and all of a sudden go, oh, yes, that means. And we probably don't have all the facts. We have pieces of information. And so when we make an assumption based on only partial information, we're likely to make a wrong assumption, a faulty assumption, not a wrong one, not a right one, but a faulty one. And so Uh, Don't make assumptions. Then the fourth one is above all, always do your best. Whatever it is, bring the best of you to whatever you're doing. In my quiet time in the morning when I do my personal visioning about how am I to be in this day, I commit to I'm going to do my best. And I acknowledge that some days that best is better than other days, but I do make it my commitment and so when we bring our humanness into alignment with our divinity with spirit in us as us that's part of resetting our compasses also in uh, thinking about this evening I was thinking about Viktor Frankl and the reason he came to mind is um, I was raised with I think it was my grandmother first told me a little phrase in order to gain perspective about how awful is my awful versus how awful is somebody else's awful. And so the the uh, sage advice was a little story about, uh, I cried because I had no shoes until I met the man who had no feet. And being raised with that as part of our family dialogue made it very easy for me to perhaps get all caught up in my own story of how awful whatever it was, was going that was in my life and then reset it. Kind of like resetting a not compass, but recalibrating it. But when I uh I realized that no matter what was going on with me, I had it better I had it, I had possibilities, and those possibilities made it so that I could be a compassionate giver and server and step out of my own story now and then. I kept a lot of them because my humanness liked them but um but they didn't serve me, and so when thinking about uh the I cried because I had no shoes until I met the man who had no feet i started thinking about Viktor Frankl, uh, because, of course, he was a Holocaust survivor, and he was an Austrian-born neurologist and psychiatrist, and he came through the horror and trauma of being in the Holocaust and just, just in indescribable circumstances. And yet he came through it and uh, became a profound and prolific, uh, insightful writer. Um, Just a host of spiritual writings and uh, he was the founder of Logotherapy. He brought that magnificent creativity that had come out of all that he had survived. And when he died in 1997, he was 92 years old. Now, there are a lot of people that would say that going through the starvation and everything else that he went through, that it would have impaired his longevity, but either it didn't or he was destined to make it to well over 100. Among Franco's quotes are, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. To choose one's own way. So we get to choose how we will relate to each and everything that comes our way. We can be angry and hurtful and hateful. We can throw a party and sulk. We could be happy and cheerful even. And we can respond to the call within that asks, What of this is mine to do? And bring joy from within. Declare as Charles Fillmore, founder of Unity, did at 94. Here's another uh, gentleman that hung around for a lot of years. I fairly sizzle with zeal and enthusiasm as I bound forth to do what ought to be done by me. And I love that. That no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the state of health, no matter what's going on, I fairly sizzle with zeal and enthusiasm because I bring the joy that is within me. I bring that. I don't look outside for my joy. I bring the joy with me to whatever ought to be done. Frankel was also quoted as having said, when we are no longer able to change the situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And for many of the people that I've talked with about the election, uh, some of them have gone into a sort of hopeless uh, stand. And instead, uh, perhaps, we can can shift that and say, yep, that's what we're dealing with. That's what we have. That's what the population came forth with. That's how the vote, the electoral college vote went. And so... Uh, it doesn't matter with our system that this is what we have. This is who we have as our president-elect. And so these are ours to work with. And Carolyn Socks, uh, who wrote the daily affirmation of the daily prayers uh, for the November uh, Science of Mind magazine, and I'm excerpting from one of the things that she said, we may not be able to choose everything we experience, After all, we are sharing this world with a few billion other human beings, each of whom is co-creating circumstance along with us. We always have the right, and I insert and the power to choose how we experience what comes to us. And that makes all the difference between freedom and bondage. And she's not talking about incarceration by somebody else. What she's talking about is the freedom and bondage that we the freedom that we allow ourselves and the bondage that we impose on ourselves. We get to choose, we get to observe and decide how we are to be and what is ours to do, keeping in mind that spirit will always guide us to life affirming choices. If the choice that pops up in your thought is not affirming it's probably a really good time to go inside, spend some time in silence, and listen for spirit because spirit's guide is always life-affirming. Franco also said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response, lies our growth and freedom, which is, of course, a direct uh, correlation with uh, what Kathleen Sox had said. And so we, we have that choice. We have the power. We have the opportunity to always, always, always make a choice about how we will relate to the circumstance, what we can extract from it how we can be with it. So in our resetting of our personal internal compass, one of the ways that we can reset our uh, compass is by remembering what we affirm as part of our belief. Primary tenant within science mind teaching is oneness. There is only one creator, that has sprung forth of itself into all form, all creation, and we we declare that it doesn't matter what you call that creator. That depends on your tradition, your family, your language, your upbringing. You know, your uh, how you grew up and where you grew up. The name is not what is important. What is important is to understand that there is one source from. That has sprung forth into and as all of creation. It is perfect. It is whole. It is complete. There is nothing missing from it or lack. There is nothing that we could add to it and nothing that it would add to itself. For it is whole, perfect, and complete, just as it is. This is the belief, this belief is the foundation of our conviction that we are inseparable from one another because spirit has sprung forth into all of these fabulous individuations, all of the diversity of creation, that obviously the divine plan is one of, of diversity and creativity and difference and uniqueness. And so that That inseparability calls us to be a stand for all others. And when I emphasize all others, God didn't create some of the population and not the other. And so sometimes it's very challenging to say, yes, I am a stand for all, because all includes people I don't necessarily agree with, probably people I don't like, and certainly some people in history that did atrocious things, just horrid things. But if there's only one God, and that one God by any name is the creator of all, it's the source of all. It's the source of all, not just the parts we like, not just the people we like. So we are faced with a conundrum. We recognize all as expressions of the divine regardless of their behavior. And so one thing that requires the, in that or because of that, uh, we are required to separate behavior from the being. We know that oneness is at the being level and behavior is at the at the human or egoic level. And so it's influenced by circumstance. Remember that circumstance does not influence us. We influence circumstance. So when we are coming from that divine self, that oneness, then we are open to being guided by spirit, and spirit is always guiding in life-affirming ways. Whereas behavior sometimes is not life-affirming. When we're looking at is somebody telling the truth and their verbiage and their behavior are not in alignment, uh, the the behavior is what is telling the truth for their humanness, not for their divine self. And so when we are looking at this conundrum, we find that there is a demand that we remain clear for whatever is life-affirming that we do not stand against because when we put our energies into standing for, we know that we are able to move forward to be a powerful uh, force for change. There's that one that insists that we stand with anyone who is marginalized in any way compromised. Because spirit in us, as is, calls us to that highest comprehensive golden rule, and that is that we would not allow anyone to do anything to anyone that we would not invite to have done to ourselves. And that's a tall order. And yet spirit in us, as is, equips us to deal with, to be that stand with and for others. And so I invite you this week to join in a spiritual practice that supports you in resetting your compass to be mindful. That you become your own witness and ask yourself, what's going on in my world? What is calling me to make a choice at this time? What aspect of myself is responding to this need or desire Always take into consideration: Is my choice in harmony with the divine? Is it life affirming? Question: Is it likely to? Is the effect of my decision in alignment with divine principle, and is uh, is likely to generate uh, the highest good for all concerned? The final one in that is. Am I congruent in my desire? Is there an internal argument or am I ready, standing, clear, whole in my thought? And so as we reset our compass with the power of gratitude, I suggest that you make the commitment that you will always seek to find something you appreciate in every situation. In every situation, find something to be grateful for so as we reset our compass by getting out of ourselves, believing that no one has the right to abuse anyone else, I'm inviting you to join me in the safety pin movement. And a number of people across the country and I assume across the world by now have just declared that they will wear a safety pin as a symbol. And that safety pin is interpreted as here, I am a safe place. You can sit next to me. Or perhaps, I am aware that some around me are afraid. You needn't be afraid of me. And so uh, do join us in wearing a safety pin, letting, the, letting those that may be concerned with things that are going on, with stories and with everything that's going on in the world, and be a safe haven for anyone, everyone, who might need a safe haven. And remember, as Chardin told us, love alone is capable of uniting living beings in such a way as to complete and fulfill them, for it alone takes them and joins them by what is deepest in themselves. And so we are each an activity of of the divine as love. Feel it, be it, share it. Love is the most powerful healing force in the world. As we remember what we are as love, we can transform the world. When we are serving outside of ourselves, our compass needle is absolutely true, straight on. And so please do join us at Center for Spiritual Living Metro Sunday mornings at uh, 10 o'clock at the Arlington Arts Center. And uh go online to uh cslmetro.org and find out what else we are doing in the meantime be love namaste